You're listening to ClearTrack HR Podcast, a show about employee benefits, employment law, and other topics for HR professionals. Don't forget to subscribe if you like what you hear. Now here's our host, Zach Finney. Thank you for listening to the ClearTrack HR Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Finney, and I am pleased to welcome our guest. She has 20 years experience working in human resources with a concentration in health and welfare benefits and compliance arena. She has her SHRM SCP certification as well as her GBA certification through SEEBS, and she's become an industry leader pertaining to the Affordable Care Act, a 20-year professional and HR consultant, my friend, Chrissy Aubin. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks, Zach. How are you? I'm doing good. I mean, and if we're just going to start off, I like to start podcasts off, honestly, Christy, the paragraph of your description I, it, it took multiple takes because i sounded so country that it was sounding like i was actually mispronouncing <laughs> all your certifications so That's just okay in full disclosure this is take 38 of the christian <laughs> okay i've got until monday we're good <laughs> so again thanks so much christy for joining us and if you want to talk about a topic that's very popular right now and that's Let's talk about what it's like and what kind of procedures need to be in place as far as reintegrating back into the workplace. But before we even get started on that topic, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the industry? Sure. So as you mentioned, I've been in the human resources industry for just over 20 years at this point. It's kind of just by chance I managed to land myself a career in in HR. I had a, a great opportunity at a manufacturing firm at the beginning of my, you know, earlier stages of my career as an HR manager, quickly realized that was a, uh, an area of business operations that I had a lot of interest in. So I continued to pursue my education in that area, as well as continue to work over various positions uh, over the last 20 years, as, you know, HR manager, generalist on all the different areas. And then about 10 years ago, really started to highly focus more on the benefits and compensation area, as well as HR compliance. And that's led me to my current role as director of product management, where I'm working for a technical company providing compliance services for HR department. Awesome. And so let's let's just get right into it. As far as reintegrating to the workplace, I mean, the number one question: How can employers know when it's time to return to the workplace? Yeah, I don't I don't know that there's necessarily one silver bullet that says okay, it's time. I think that you know HR professionals have been heavily challenged throughout all of the changes that have occurred from the beginning of business closures through, you know, bringing their workforce into a, a remote environment and ensuring that technology is all in place and that operations can continue seamlessly. And now that we're, you know, this far down the path, businesses are reopening and HR is still continuing to deal with, you know, how do we reintegrate, as you mentioned. And, you know, like I said, I don't think there's any particular action or activity that has to occur that says the time is now. But I think as long as businesses are paying attention to what's going on in their regions and their local areas, as far as, you know, the status of active cases and, you know, how many, you know, how many people in their area are currently hospitalized with COVID, um, you know, paying attention to those numbers. And and again, those numbers are are fluid. That's, you know, going to be changing on a month-to-month basis. So it's really just paying attention to what's going on really in the entire nation to see, you know, where we are as far as getting through the pandemic and then determining if the, uh, 
challenges that exist from working remotely are greater than the work that's going to be involved in bringing the workforce back without much disruption. Um, I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges that employers face is, of course, the communication barriers that come along with a remote workforce. And some people really prefer to be in an, in an in-person environment with their coworkers nearby. Um, you know, I think knowing your workforce, knowing what the workforce wants, and knowing what works best for your business is really what you have to pay attention to when making that decision. And so there would, would there be advantages to returning to the workplace over just extending this remote work period that com some companies are getting used to and then some companies seem to, you know, they're, they're, they're not and they're closing. Right. I think, you know, that's a, that's a tricky question because there's many people who really favor working remotely and, you know, they've been waiting for an opportunity like this maybe all of their lives. It's just really an environment that's more conducive to productivity. And then there's a lot of people that really prefer to be in an office, like I said. So it depends on the preferences of your staff, but of course those preferences are going to vary depending on, you know, certain people within a certain department and as well as, you know, how easy has it been to conduct business remotely. So some workers are facing additional challenges of working remotely with children in the home that are attending school virtually. I think this creates an additional challenge as parents and childcare providers are being pulled in multiple different directions throughout the day. Uh, you know, it's really a lot more difficult to stay focused and stay on task. That can be really challenging for some people and not an ideal work environment. So in these situations, workers may really be looking forward to getting back into the office where they can feel a higher sense of productivity and ability to stay on task without those constant interruptions that are occurring from having additional family members in the home. But on the other hand, there's also going to be workers who have children that are learning virtually who don't have an alternative to childcare. And the requirement to return to an office would really make it impossible to handle their family obligations. So again, it's really knowing your workforce and being able to demonstrate that flexibility throughout the pandemic. That's gonna be an employer's best option when they're trying to continue to run their businesses seamlessly while also affording their staff the ability to manage the new challenges that exist at home. It, it, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. And so, you know, with all the moving parts involved with, you know, going from remote, going to returning back to kind of that back to face-to-face -face office experience, it's not just, you can just turn a switch and then show up. I mean, what, what do employers have to do prior to reopening to get the workplace ready for the employees to actually return? Right. And, and I think, you know, it reminds me of this old saying where the only thing that is constant is change. And I think that's what a lot of, you know, not just HR managers, you know, employees, businesses alike, everything has been changing so rapidly from the beginning of the pandemic until today. And so being able to adapt to those changes and, you know, handle whatever local and state requirements are being, you know, put in place in, you know, whatever region that you're in. Some locations are, are requiring written plans um, if they don't already exist. Um, you know, reconfiguring the offices to be conducive to social distancing. That might include adding partitions between office spaces or separating desks and, or leaving every other workstation open. I've seen that as well. Um, you know, there's, there's other things that employers are doing, like determining how many employees or what departments they really could bring back into the workplace and still, again, continue operations in a seamless manner. And that might include limiting the number of staff that can be in 
the office at any given time, perhaps through staggered work schedules. You might have an A team and a B team, and each each group works one week and then is remote the following week and then remote the following week. Um, you know, ensuring that your capacity in the office is not going to exceed what's allowable in your local or regional area. That's that's key. I think you know ensuring that you have all of your plans in place prior to bringing people back is going to be critical. Your employees want that peace of mind that their safety is number one, and knowing that you have taken the time to methodically put a plan in place that's going to ensure their safety is going to allow the employees to be ready and willing and able to return back to the workplace on your timeline. Um, you know, some of the other things that employers are doing are you know, simply adding sanitizing stations at entry um, entryways or implementing sanitization schedules where cleaning services, and you know, it's another thing that I'll mention is a lot of businesses outsource their cleaning services. It's important to, to look at those contracts and ensure that those companies are also complying with any kind of COVID prevention best practices. You want to make sure you know, sometimes cleaning companies have policies that state they won't clean the desk area. You'll want to make sure that things like that are reevaluated so that where those employees are physically working are cleaned and sanitized on a regular basis. And this is not only going to satisfy regulations to reduce an employer's liability, but again, it also gives the employees that peace of mind that when they return, their safety is really top priority to their employer. I think that's a great point also about the staggered schedules where, you know, when you don't have, you know, you try to create a space and make social distance, I mean, you're limited to what office you're in, right? But that 50% right. occupancy is almost like a slow crawl back remote work into regular work, but it, and it also gives you that at least a better opportunity to social distance. So I think that's a great point. That's right. And I mean, really, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing situation. You can look at possibly bringing back those departments that make the most sense to be in an office environment and leave those that really don't necessarily have a lot of interaction with other workers, you know, continue having them work on a remote basis, leaving that office space available for those that it really does make better sense for to be in the office. And then what about, you know, the, the employer decides we're going to start working our way, you know, making our way back into coming in office. I mean, when, it, when you're thinking on the employee side of that, are employees able to refuse to return to work? I mean, if so, I mean, what are their options? Well, that's another tricky question. I knew that you would be full of those for me today. Uh, you know, in general, employees can't simply just refuse to return to work. However, under federal law, employees are entitled to a safe work environment. So as long as employers are complying with any legally required protocols and ensuring employees are returning to a safe environment, it should really just be about having that open and honest conversation with your employees to avoid that outright refusal. However, you know, on the other hand, the ADA also has specific regulations regarding reasonable accommodations, including flex schedules and remote work for those that have underlying medical conditions. So employers really want to consider providing, you know, maybe leaves of absence or continuing that flex schedule for employees who meet those requirements. Um, you know, we also have FMLA, um, you know, leave of absence options for employees. And then there's also, of course, the uh, FCRA new regulations that are requiring employers to pay employees who may have been exposed to or have been diagnosed with COVID. 
know, all of these things come into play when you're talking about returning people to work. So it's important that human resource professionals are really engaged in the process, have a plan in place, and really familiarize themselves with the various laws and regulations that would apply to when an employee might just outright refuse. Right, and then what protocols should HR, you know, start to enable for this return to workplace? I think, you know, one of the most common things that we see in a lot of places right now, including, you know, state mandates are simply requiring masks in any kind of common areas or entryways where traffic is high. There's also a lot of businesses that are implementing temperature checks upon entry. These can be done by front office staff upon entry or even, you know, done by the employees upon entry. And businesses really need to count on the responsibility and honesty of their employees to disclose if they have a fever or any symptoms that may be COVID-related in order to keep the workplace safe. Um, but I think those are the two most common items that are, are seen are those temperature checks and you know, wearing masks where appropriate. So should HR maintain remote work policies and procedures even after reopening? I think that's a great idea. In fact, there's a lot of employers that had remote work policies in place well before COVID. I think that those probably have, you know, maybe morphed into something a little bit differently, you know, once the entire work population was being required to work remotely. But I think now is a great time for businesses to really look at what were the pros, what were the cons, you know, what worked well, what could be done differently, modify policies accordingly so that one, in the event that something like this were ever to occur again, employers can be quicker to react and respond. And also, you know, COVID isn't the only reason why remote work can be beneficial to both employees and employers. So as long as those policies are put in place and maintained, I think that this could really result in a beneficial working relationship for both parties. Christy, thank you so much for the information on that. I know that's uh, a topic that employers are asking themselves every day and trying to work through how to get into work. I really appreciate you joining the podcast. I mean, but if you have like just two minutes, I would, I can, let's do some random rapid fire questions. We did that with our last guest, Kenny Abernathy, and I know you're a friend of Kenny. He has some very interesting answers that I'm still, every time I see him, I have to ask him about. Wow, this is exciting. All right, are you you ready for this? Here we go. I'm ready. What is your favorite TV series of all time? Real Housewives of any single location, and I'm not afraid to admit it anymore. I now own it. It's one of the worst answers to start with. Here we go. If If you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would it be? Zach Finney, Kenny Abernathy. And no, I don't really idolize anybody to be like, oh, I want to go to dinner. Maybe Chris Martin from Coldplay. That would be really cool. That's a good dinner. That's a good. And yeah. you just now you're now you're in the the first guest, especially now you're really on on a good pace here. Okay, so uh, let's just do <laughs> let's just do what was better. Okay. Okay. The 60s or the 70s? 70s. 80s or the 90s? 90s. Easy. Star Wars or Star Trek? Neither. Pasta or pizza? Mm, pizza. Allergies or politics? I think allergies. At least then I have some control over it. <laughs> and then this is a, a 
personal vendetta that you and I have that, of course, none of our listeners know about. So it has no reference okay. points for them whatsoever. That's how good I am okay. at this job. Here we go. <laughs> Is it hunger pain or hunger pangs? It's hunger pang, P-A-N-G. Look it up. It's a word. It's existed since the beginning of time. And but that said, I can understand why, you know, audibly why that's difficult to ascertain whether it's a G or an N for many people. So if you uh, have been saying hunger pain, P-A-I-N, I don't really judge you that badly for it. And when you say audibly, did you mean it makes rational sense that it's really should be hunger pain since you are experiencing pain from hunger, hunger pain? Um, no, what I mean is the ear can only hear so much detail in any given word. And I think pain and pain sound very similar. So I think the ear's inability to differentiate between those two words is kind of understandable and logical. However, it's still pain all day long. Okay, just a, a quick true or false question. Are you ready? Yes. True or false? You and I worked at a business together prior, and this conversation came up and a survey was taken from a staff of about 40 people. How many people, including yourself, said the correct term was hunger pain? Was it one? True or false? Um, that's false. There was definitely more than one that knew the correct answer. And I would say if you took that poll again in a different region, perhaps, you know, in the Northeast where I'm from, you probably would have had a completely different uh, Fair result. Enough. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So if you could have any superpower, what would it be? The ability to teleport. That's easy. I've thought about that before, too. I cannot stand traveling. I cannot stand sitting on an airplane. I have very little patience for travel. So if I could teleport and just be anywhere I wanted to be, that would be a pretty amazing superpower for me. If you think you could teleport, do you feel like you would still show up late everywhere? <laughs> um, yes, because it's not the travel time that's the problem, it's the departure that matters. <laughs> All right, so the final question, and Again, if you haven't heard the Kenny Abernathy podcast, it's worth the listen just for the answer to this question. If you could only watch one movie for the rest of your life, what movie would it be? Ooh, one movie for the rest of my life? Um, there is one movie that I have seen more than once because I liked it that much. Otherwise, I do have a standard rule that I will never watch a movie twice. And that was Mystic River. So I guess if I had to pick one, I could probably tolerate watching that over and over again. It's just a really good movie. That is a great movie. And I won't spoil the answer to Kenny's, but just check it out, Christy, and then call me so we can discuss it offline. Will do. Will do. All right. All right. This has been another episode of the Clear Track HR Podcast. Christy, Ivan, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you will come back again sometime and I hope this was not as painful as you originally thought it would be and hope you had at least a little bit of fun while you're here it has been an absolute pleasure and it has not been painful there i like your proper use of the word pain thank you i try i try <laughs> thank you.
For more information on this podcast and others, go to cleartrackhr.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening. See you next time.